I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, Maybe you're listening on one of the 10 stations that we're heard on throughout Oklahoma or Kentucky. Uh, Glad that you've tuned in. Maybe, maybe you're listening on uh, live streaming through the Redbox Media app or through one of those one of those stations. Again, glad you're here. Uh, of course, we've got streaming stations all the way in those 10 stations in Oklahoma and Kentucky, but also in Denver, right? Denver area, Boulder, Colorado, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Louisville. Man, I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Some of you, uh, you're not really good with schedules. You want this like kind of T-vote. And so you're, you're listening in on our podcast. And if you want to know where the podcast is, if you're not one of those podcast listeners, go to OutsideTheWalls.com, OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, scroll down on the right-hand side of the page, and it gives you one. It tells you all of the stations that we're on. tells you when they're airing. It also will tell you uh, you can subscribe to the, the podcast. gets put to your phone or your, your tablet or whatever device you listen to podcasts on. It puts it there every week. Never miss an episode. But if, if you want to catch up on some old show or you want to say, you know, maybe this is your first time listening, you want to hear what this show is about, good news, everything is archived. And uh, you can get to that also at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, second thing in on the menu, it says Episode Archive. You can go back and listen till your heart's content. Uh, actually, I have one person uh, who is listening right now who thought it would be a great idea to catch up on everything and uh, live tweet them. And so she live tweeted for probably 15, ep- 15 or so episodes. It was quite a blast, but sh- alas, she stopped doing it. Uh, and so if someone wants to pick up the reins and live tweet those shows, well, just let me know. Go ahead and make sure that you tag me on Twitter. Of course, uh, I do have a Twitter handle. It's at Outside the Walls or on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. That's enough of that. Now let's go ahead and get to the show. It's just you and me today. Uh, no interviews, but we're going to talk about the power of a story. Now, I woke up this morning uh, to the the small, quiet sounds of my children stomping upstairs, as it generally happens every morning. But the, this morning it was uh, particularly jolting. <laughs> but, you know, those, those dreams that you just kind of get the end of, I don't even remember what the dream was about. I really don't. But I remember very clearly that I was talking to someone uh, about a specific scripture out of Revelation. Yes, I even dream talking about scripture. I, that This is not a, a normal thing for me, which is maybe why it stood out so much. But here I was. I was uh, the scripture was playing in my head. I was telling someone about it uh, to, to apply it to whatever was going on in the dream. I don't remember. But the, the scripture comes out of Revelation 12, and it's talking about uh, the, the dragon, who is the devil, right? Talking about the dragon, and, and it says this, Now a war arose in heaven, Michael, St. Michael the archangel, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Right, so you've got this great big battle scene. Think Lord of the Rings, uh, orcs versus elves. You've got uh, the devil and his angels versus Saint Michael and his angels. Just picture that that epic scene, and and they were defeated. 
Now, it says, The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. For they have not loved their lives unto death. Rejoice then, O heaven, that you and all you that dwell within. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. Now, that's the whole passage. That's just to give us context. Uh, That's out of Revelation chapter 12. uh, That's verses 7 through 12. But the part of it that was in my head in the dream that was just very real and visceral uh, was that, that passage, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, I don't remember who I was talking to in the dream or what the circumstances were, but when I woke up, that was still ringing in my ears, and and I, I had the thought, well, I'm doing that on the show today, right? I want to talk about the power of a story. Now, I have, uh, I've got several little children. I've got six kids at home, and uh, they are – the oldest there is eight, and the youngest is two months. So there's uh, a lot of Disney uh, or animated movies going on in my house, right? And there's a very definite hierarchy in quality when it comes to animated movies, right? You've got DreamWorks, you've got Disney, and then right up there, the creme de la creme, right at the top, is Pixar. And the reason that Pixar is so different from DreamWorks, and it's getting a little bit harder, the the newer movies that are coming out, but definitely uh, those that are maybe a few years old, it's really obvious. Not so much the quality of the animation, although there's certainly that to it. Uh, not so much the jokes, but it's the story, the intentionality put into a story. I mean, think think for a moment. Go back to the movie Up, right? That Pixar movie Up with all the balloons and the guy that has the, the house that he flies to South America with balloons. That story in and of itself is, hey, a guy doesn't want to get kicked out of his house, so he takes his house with balloons and goes to South Africa, South America. That's not a huge big deal, right? Anybody could do that. But what they do in the first eight minutes of that movie without any words whatsoever, they tell a compelling story, right? They, they get you. They, and Pixar has this thing. They want you to cry just as many times as you laugh, and they do a really good job at it. Uh, you think about uh, WALL-E where there's hardly any words whatsoever, and yet they tell a compelling story. And so there is power in the story that we see here as we're talking about uh, St. Michael the Archangel and the devil coming down and the, the, the devil who accuses the saints, right? And it says the saints have conquered him. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. So it's in the grace of Jesus, the power of the cross, right? But it's not just that. The blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Now, growing up, I used to think, you know, testimony is you get up in front of a whole bunch of people and you say how bad you were and how awful you were and Jesus saved you and now how good you are. That's that's the story. You always start at the beginning. You include how bad you are. You talk about your sins. You 
say how you found Jesus and all of a sudden everything is rosy and everything is perfect. That's not what the the writer here, what the Apostle John is talking about. That's not the testimony that he's bringing up. A testimony is an ongoing thing. It is our story. It's the it's the the story that we have to testify and I'm not using religious language here think about uh legal language you're testifying in court that we can testify what we have seen what we have experienced what we have witnessed in our life so every day is a new testimony every day we can choose to tell people not not in a evangelical, you know, Bible-thumping kind of a way, but we can choose to, uh, to witness to what God is doing presently in our lives. This is not about, oh, well, I was a really bad person and I was in all of these things and then I went to church and my life is perfect. Because if you live at all, you know that's not the case, right? We still have difficulty. We still fall. We still sin. And that's why we have the mercy of, of the sacrament of confession. Uh, that, that's a, another show for another day. It's one we've done before. Uh, recently, actually, we had Father Alan Carter uh, from Vatican U. He's got a show on Redbox Media. We had him uh, just right before Easter. So go back on the archives and get that show. No, we're talking about what story are we telling with our lives, right, every day. And think about the Wally, right? It doesn't necessarily have to do words. Uh, what are we telling? Uh, how are our actions telling a story? If we were to look at our life, go ahead, picture your life as if it were a movie. I know that's most of us do that just kind of naturally. We're the center character in a plot. But is your story one that's going to be compelling? I mean, really, look at it. Is yours a compelling story? Or is yours uh, a DreamWorks story? <laughs> no offense, DreamWorks. Only partial, only partial offense. Um, or, or here's another way to judge this: What if you're not the main character? I know this is like mind blowing. You know, you think about, well, no, 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 of course I'm the main character. I'm the point of view. Well, you're your point of view. But let's think about this for a moment. What if you are not the main character? What if someone else is the main character and you're a supporting character? <sighs> now. Is your character telling a compelling story or not, right? How are we telling the story of redemption? How are we telling the story of, of God's grace every day of our lives? It doesn't have to be some overt Bible-thumping thing. You know, it just has to be authentic. How are you authentically living out a story that would conquer the devil, basically, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony? When we come back, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. Not the longer story, but what's going on right now. That's what the testimony is in this specific instance. Join this conversation with me about your story over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. You can also talk to me at Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. I really want to know what you think. Tell me what's going on in your life. What's the big plot point right now? Well, much more to come. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Glad to have you. 
We're talking today about the power of a story. And the question that I have is this. Do you recognize in your life each day what your plot points are? Let's just talk from a story perspective. Are you recognizing those things that are important in your life or are you just kind of going through the motions and, uh, and, and doing what needs to be done that day? And this reminds me of a time that uh, I was in college, brand new in college, freshman year, and uh, I was up in college in Kansas. My family's all living in Texas, and I got a phone call one day from my, from my mother, right? And you know, freshman year, when your mother calls, you know it's important, <laughs> right? So, uh, so she called, and uh, apparently... Apparently, it had been uh, two weeks since I had talked to her, and this was not acceptable <laughs> because I was supposed to be talking to her more often. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, I didn't have anything to tell you, right? Life is just you wake up, you go to class, you uh, study, you go to bed, you wake up. You, I, did, I didn't. Not like I was being a, a bad boy or anything. I, I don't know that I even had a concept of how to how to do the party scene in college. Um, I, I just... I didn't have anything to report, and so therefore, why would I take the time to call and tell you nothing, right? Uh, I was not recognizing the plot points in my life at that specific time, and uh, my mom was having nothing to do with that. So uh, that that made me start thinking, okay, well, what is really going on in my life? Am I just kind of coasting through, or am I really living in the moment, you know, we can get so caught up in either living in the past or living in the future that we completely miss what's going on right now. We, uh, we, you know, all the time used to say, oh, well, gosh, once I once I graduate from high school, then things will start really happening. Once I graduate from college, obviously, then things will really start happening. No, apparently I need to go to grad school before life can really begin and then it's, like, well, maybe when I get married or maybe when we have kids or maybe when the kids are out of elementary school, oh, gosh, when I can finally get them out of the house, oh, man, I got to pay off their bills. I got to get them out of college. And all of a sudden, we're always trying to live uh, tomorrow. We're postponing living until such time as we meet some set criteria. But the thing is, we never meet those criteria. There's always going to be something else that will stand in the way and try to distract our attention away from this moment right here, this moment that I have with my children, this moment that I have sitting across the table from my spouse or from my close friend. I've got to learn to be present in these moments because tomorrow, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. The past, I can't do anything about. I can't change the past. I can't control the future. All I can do is live in this moment. Uh, there was someone who, who said to me, oh gosh, this must have been back in grad school, uh, that the, the present, right, the present moment is where eternity intersects with time, right? Even though Christ came into the world, you know, back when he came into the world, right now, this present moment is where time intersects with eternity, that uh, it's the ever-present moment. And I have to choose to be present in that moment, to pay attention, to, to look at what's going on around me, to not get lost in, uh, in some computer game on my phone or in Facebook or some other social, quote-unquote, social media that is 
taking me away from those social things that are right around me? How am I living my story, recognizing my plot points and living my story right now? Am I recognizing what God is doing, what God is calling me to right now? I think the way that hits most of us parents is that uh, we can so expect certain things out of the life of our children uh, and think about, oh, well, who they're going to be, and we miss who they are, right? We miss the fact that right now, my eight-year-old, he's really into drawing dragons, right? A specific dragon, it fearsome, the dragon. And uh, when I see the picture of him, all I can think is uh, Trogdor, right? If you are a, if you know who Trogdor is, uh, then I want you to come and tell me on social media because uh, it's pretty awesome. Consummate Vs, that's all I have to say. Uh, so he's drawing this dragon, uh, Trogdor, uh, fearsome, I'm sorry, fearsome the dragon. And he's exploring how to tell a story. And so Rather than just drawing a single picture, he's drawing the same character, and he's he's in this point of development where he's exploring, right? And he and it's important to him that I take a look at it, and, and I, I can invest in that and encourage that and uh, engage with that story a little bit, or I can say, oh, that's a nice drawing, and then move on. So. What am I going to do? Am I going to seek to be the main character in my story or am I going to be a really compelling supporting actor, right? Am I going to really invest my time in the success and the attention in, of others? And, and for a parent, I think that's one of the most important calls we have is to uh, not to so much worry about who they're going to be. Uh, although that's important when it comes to shaping their future and, and really being a good parent, but really engaging with who they are at this very moment. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to remember to do. Uh, but that's kind of my growing edge right now is to make sure that I have time for them, which brings me to my own plot points right now, I guess. Uh, we lived up until October. We lived up in um, in Oklahoma, just Loved being up there. I never thought I would love Oklahoma. I When I went to college in Kansas, I used to say, if it weren't for Oklahoma, it'd only take me an hour and a half to get home. <laughs> um, and I swore I'd never live in Oklahoma. And so I moved there, right? That's that's how God works. Uh, so we were up in Oklahoma, we moved up there in 08, uh, came, moved back down just now. So spent several years up there and really came to love and enjoy my time there. Uh, and the came into the church in Oklahoma, just absolutely loved the time there. Uh, but it was time to leave. Uh, we had some just really strong desire to be back again near family. And the opportunity opened up. We moved down to Texas and something happened when we moved down to Texas. And uh, I just became really very busy. Uh, and I was trying to do too much. And, and I'm sure that you can relate to this. Uh, I think everyone goes through this at some point in time. Uh, and I was just gone all the time. I had evening meetings. I had daytime meetings, uh, working at a parish down here. And I was just slammed. And and I thought, well, you know what? After we get things set up, uh, then, then it will calm down. After we get through this uh, high holy day, then things will calm down. And things just never calm down. And just felt like... There was nothing that we could do to get enough. And I think that if you don't make the conscious, difficult decision, you, an act of the will 
that I'm going to be present in these moments and I'm going to prioritize my life toward my family. If you don't make those decisions, uh, then then life is just going to keep happening to you. You know, the urgent will always try to come in and get in the way of what's really important. Uh, if you don't make the time for a prayer life and say, you know what, I'm going to spend some time this morning in prayer, then you're never going to have time to pray. It's not going to magically appear that you have 15 minutes or 30 minutes available to you to spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament or to spend some time praying. It's just not going to happen. Uh, And so there has to be that conscious choice of will. Uh, And so for me, uh, I was running out of that conscious choice of will. I'm just, just blowing and going every day, trying to get everything done so that then I would have time for my family. And it wasn't happening. And so by the mercy, and this sounds kind of odd, by the mercy of God, uh, as we were trying to find a way to, to get out of our current living situation and into uh, a new house down here, in God's mercy, I lost my job, right? And that sounds kind of odd, but the way that it happened, God provided me uh, some margin. He provided me a new space. He said, okay, this is coming up. You know it's coming up. Uh, I was given a job offer, but it's not going to start for a while. Uh, and he gave me some opportunities to kind of supplement income to to have a parachute, to be okay. But the blowing and going, the the everything always urgent right on top, never a, never a moment to breathe – uh, God took that away and, and he did it in a, in a way that because I was listening, uh, for the voice of God, because I was paying attention to what God was doing and trying, trying my hardest really to be present to God, uh, I didn't freak out. I'm not freaking out. Uh, I, I'm still in that interim time. And yet I know, uh, the faithfulness of God. And we're going to talk about why I know the faithfulness of God, uh, a little bit in the next segment. But I want to tell you right now that here I am talking to you uh, in the middle of what would be concern, uh, considered some trying circumstances. And I am completely at peace because I see the hand of God directing me into living right now in this moment. And every moment, I, I every morning I wake up, um, the, kind of the first words out of my mouth are those words uh, from from morning prayer, from the office of readings. And it's, uh, Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. That's just a quick little prayer. Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. And it's my, my, uh, first words out of my mouth every morning because, because I need it. Right. We're going to talk when we come back a little bit about why I'm not freaked out. Uh, the power of a story And the power of our testimony. Remember, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Join this conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Talk to me about uh, a trying time in your life and how you got through it. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking around. We're 
We're talking today about the power of a story. I woke up this morning and I said in the last break, the first words out of my mouth every morning are, uh, Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. Uh, and I need it, right? Uh, that's something that I uh, comes out of the breviary. It's one of the first things that you pray every morning. And gosh, man, for me, absolutely, I need it. Uh, I need the presence of God. I need to be able to see the presence of God in my life every day. I don't know how I would do it uh, otherwise. Uh, if if life were just happening to me and the things that happened in my life, if they had come about and and I was not able to see the presence of God, I would go mad, right? And maybe you feel at your wit's end. Maybe you feel just completely uh, out of it. Listen, you might not be able to take 10 minutes to pray every day. You might not be able to spend time uh, in adoration. But you have the time to say, Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. Oh, God. Basically, hurry up, right? You you have the, the 10 seconds it takes to utter those words. And uh, since I've started doing that, man, I've seen just a huge difference in the way that my outlook is. The day may be exactly the same. I may still have all the same stresses and frustrations and fears, but I tell you what, I notice a difference in my perspective when, when the first words out of my mouth are an invocation, a calling, and invoking the name of God. God, come to my assistance. I need your help, right? So uh, we talked about what I'm currently in the middle of, that uh, we, we moved down here about five months ago to be near family, away from Oklahoma, down to Texas. I loved Oklahoma. Never thought I'd love Oklahoma. Uh, but I love Texas. I love Texas for different reasons. I love Texas because I grew up here. I tell people uh, I was not born in Texas. I was born up in Kentucky, right? My dad was up in seminary up there. Uh, he was not in Catholic seminary because I'm a convert. Don't go there. No, he, I was born when my dad was in Protestant seminary in Kentucky. But I tell people, well, he was a native Texan, so I'm really a native Texan. I was just born expatriate, right? So uh, I moved here when I was 10 months old, lived my whole childhood, uh, with the exception of those first 10 months, in this beautiful, amazing state of Texas. And so I love Texas, but I tell you, there are some days I miss Oklahoma, and that's really a surprise. But so we moved down here about five months ago with uh, six, well, five kids in tow. We had the sixth one here. Uh, and five months after we moved here, I lost the job that moved us here. And I am not freaked out. And I want to tell you why that is. And this goes back to uh, before, uh, before, my, before I went to seminary, Protestant seminary as well. Uh, I was, and I don't recall if I've told this story here or not. So if I have, just pretend that I didn't. Uh, I, I was out in my parents' front yard. Uh, I was staying with them between college and seminary. And uh, I was mowing their lawn because that's what you do when you're staying at your parents' house between uh, college and grad school is you uh, you pay your rent by cutting the grass. So I was out there on a particularly uh, hot July day. And perhaps I was grumbling a bit, uh, but that day I was out there without music and I was just mowing the lawn, uh, listening to the roar of the, the, the engine, uh, the swish of the, the blade, walking, seeing the, the planes overhead, sweating bullets, I'm sure. I don't recall specifically, but July in Dallas, Fort Worth, you're just bound to. 
And uh, I was talking with God. I was uh, frustrated uh, at the price of seminary and, and maybe a little bit worried about how I was ever going to pay off student loans. That was before I was really dealing with student loans like I am now, and I still have that question. How am I ever going to pay these off? Um, But there I was, and I don't know that I expected God to answer me back. I don't think so. I just wanted to complain. But I was directing that conversation to God. And there in the middle of uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth metro with planes from DFW flying overhead – There, the voice of God came to me as clearly as to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, And I told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, there were times in my life that I just really struggled to hear the voice of God. I thought I heard him. I chased after it. It ended up not being God, and and I ended up frustrated. But this one was very different. This one was one that I I knew it was God. And so I was sitting here, and I was was planning out my life mowing this lawn, worried about student loans, and thinking, well, you know, I, I... I could always, uh, I could always go into the family business. I could always be a Methodist pastor, because a Methodist pastor is guaranteed an appointment. Right? You might not get a lot of money, but you're always guaranteed a job. And and so that was my thought process. You know, I'd planned on doing other things, but you know, maybe that security would be good. And into that thought, uh, God very clearly said, "No, that's not for you." He said this, and I, I remember it. With crystal clarity, he said, the job is not your provider. I am your provider. I will use a job to provide for you, but a job can never be uh, the thing that you look to for your provision. I am your provider. And so here I am. I'm just kind of dumbfounded because he didn't stop there. He began telling me some specific things that he wanted me to do uh, that that were specifically for me. Um, uh, he, one of the things was uh, when you're done with something, you don't sell it. You give it away. And so that's been something that we have picked up in our lives. Uh, my wife and I, when we're done with something, uh, with the exception of like a house, right, or a car, um, we we don't we don't try to get money out of that thing because those things don't provide for us. God has given to us so freely and it's our job to give as well, to be that provision for someone else. Uh, But the biggest thing was the question about the job. And I tell you, I have found such immense peace from that realization that God is in charge. It's his job to make sure that all my needs are met. That doesn't mean that everything I want is going to happen, right? But that all my needs are met. Uh, The scripture says, um, I was young and now I'm old and never I've seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Uh, And so you've also got in Philippians where it says, and I know that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And so I, I need to trust in the provision of God and not in, uh, in my own. Now I want to tell you, uh, I've been unemployed a few times because uh, I worked for Protestant churches, and uh, every time you get a new pastor, basically the whole staff is gone. And so I've dealt with that a few times, and uh, it's been difficult. It's been frustrating, but I've always had what I needed, right? I always had uh, a couple of graphic design jobs come in or this over here or that over there that – our needs, our, you know, shelter and food and, and clothing, those needs were met. 
And the time that this became most real to me was when we were coming into the Catholic Church. Uh, Kristen and I had been going to um, vigil mass every Saturday night uh, and then waking up for eight months. Eight months we did this. Vigil mass on Saturday night and then wake up and, and run the three services at the Methodist Church uh, that I was working at as a worship pastor at that time. Minister of Worship and Arts was the title. Uh, and so it, the, it finally came to a place where we said, you know what? We, we need to quit doing this. We need to just become Catholic. We had done it for eight months because we were waiting on a job. I was waiting on a job so that I wouldn't leave my family high and dry. And so we had interviewed for a few places. They'd been positive, uh, but I hadn't been offered a job yet. And we decided it was time. We're just going to we're going to jump. And so we did. Uh, we became Catholic and uh, those jobs fell through. We didn't have anything. So now not only was I not working at the Methodist Church, I was not Methodist, but the things that we had been counting on, they didn't come through. And so uh, we did what we could. For nine months, we were unemployed uh, as Catholics. And so here we are trying to see, okay, God, what's your plan in this? How, how are you going to provide for us in this? And uh, we always had enough, just, sometimes just enough. I remember one time specifically our car broke down uh, on the way back from visiting family. And I had nothing, right? I had spent the money that we had on the gas to get down there and back, and I had nothing. And, uh, and yet God provided. How did he do it? I called the one person I knew in the town that we broke down in, uh, and he called his father. Uh, and his father showed up with a mechanic to where we were, gave us a van, said, drive home, take this, and I'll take care of getting the car fixed. And we're thinking, I don't know that I'm going to be able to afford it. Because he's going around and saying, oh, well, the shocks need to be fixed and this belt needs to be replaced. And this. I'm like, just, man, just get it running again. And he, he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I've got this. And he put over $1,000 worth of work into that car that we didn't have the money to fix, right? God provided uh, in a way that we weren't expecting. And we just had to be present and acknowledge it and receive it. Uh, that same time, we had mortgage that was due and weren't going to be able to pay it. Someone sent us cash in the mail, $500, which more than made up for what we were lacking. Every time we had a need, God provided it. Sometimes uh, bills were paid late, right? But they were always paid. God provided for us miraculously because God was our provider. And so that right there, my friends, is why even in this present stress, I'm not freaked out because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Uh, this is the truth. You may not see it. You may be frightened. But this is the truth that God will not leave you abandoned. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about the power of a story. Uh, join me on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. Tell me a time that God provided for you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. 
So glad you're here. I'm Timothy Putnam. We're talking about the power of a story. They overcame, this is out of Revelation 12. I woke up thinking about it. Uh, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because they love not their lives unto death, right? That that, uh, Christ is more important than even my own breath. That seems really odd to say, but it's true. And so um, we're talking about the power of testimony. Now, maybe that story about God providing for us, maybe that gave you strength. Maybe that's the power of that today, right? God provided for our every need in a couple of times of unemployment, but one very specific one when we came into the Catholic Church. Now, uh, maybe that is enough to give you strength for today, but I'll tell you what. Uh, it's definitely enough to give me strength here in the midst of some difficult circumstances we're going through. Uh, it's enough to give me strength, and it's enough to help me overcome. What does it help me overcome? It helps me overcome fear of the future because I can't control the future. I can only will uh, and live in the present, to be fully present, to recognize my plot points, to not let life just happen to me, but to be engaged in the moment. It, it gives me uh, it gives me freedom from uh, any worries about the past. God has always been faithful to take care of me. And so the word of my testimony, even to myself, right, even as I hear and recall and bring to mind those times that God has done good things, uh, it gives me strength to deal with the present. I can overcome fear. I can overcome temptation. I can overcome these things because I remember the faithfulness of God, the word of my testimony of the faithfulness of God. Uh, and this is something that you see even in the Psalms, right? Uh, there's this uh, this time, several times in, in the Psalms, where they recall everything that God did through uh, delivering the people from Egypt to creation to, uh, you know, and basically the psalmist is saying, God, you were faithful. Maybe I haven't seen it in my lifetime, but you were faithful to our people here, 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 and here, and let's not forget this time. So... What about me? What about us? Will you be faithful to us? Right? Recalling the goodness and the mercy and the power of God uh, throughout salvation history and throughout your own life to ask for God's presence and comfort right now. We overcome one by the blood of the Lamb. We experience that it's represented every time we go to Mass. Christ is risen. And he is elevated and we see him and we receive him in the Eucharist. We get grace there, right? So we overcome by the blood of the lamb and and by the word of our testimony. So I want to encourage you to start examining your life. Look, look to your life. Look to the times that maybe you felt abandoned. And go and just say this simple prayer. God, where were you? Right? You might think that's a complaint. It's not a complaint. It's a prayer because you're directing it to God. God, where are you? But listen for an answer because God was present. God was there. God was preserving. God was protecting. And as much as he was able, God was present. So ask about those difficult times. God, help me see where you were when I felt all alone. Right. And so then begin to examine your life through the the understanding that God is ever present. God is ever trying to bring us closer to him, trying to restore us, trying to protect us. 
Uh, And so begin examining your life, listening for the voice of God, and then begin to live each moment trusting in the faithfulness of God that came before. Maybe you don't recognize, maybe you haven't seen the faithfulness of God. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, you come come to Texas, we'll sit down over coffee, we'll talk. Because God is faithful. Sometimes it, it just takes someone else's perspective to help us see that. But God is always there, even in the midst of the darkest thing that you can imagine. God is there consoling us, giving us the strength to endure it, right? Uh, someone recently said to me, well, he's not taking this away. I'm still going through it. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the martyrs can say the same thing. And, and this is who they're talking about in that revelation passage. They overcame, right? They overcame the devil, even in their martyrdom, they overcame the devil by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, because they love not their lives unto death. God is faithful, even in our darkest moments. I want to read you this passage from St. Augustine from Church History uh, because I think it will inform a little bit our conversation uh, that we're having today. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise is in the assembly of the saints. We are urged to sing a new song to the Lord as new men who have learned a new song. A song is a thing of joy. More profoundly, it is a thing of love. Anyone, therefore, who has learned to love the new life has learned to sing a new song. And the new song reminds us of our new life. The new man, the new song, the new covenant, all belong to the one kingdom of God. And so the new man will sing a new song and will belong to the new covenant. There is not one who does not love something, but the question is what to love. The Psalms do not tell us not to love, but to choose the object of our love. But how can we choose unless we are first chosen? We cannot love unless something has loved us first. Listen to the Apostle John. We love him because he first loved us. The source of man's love for God can only be found in the fact that God loved him first. He has given us himself as the object of our love. And he has also given us its source. What this source is, you may learn more clearly from the Apostle Paul, who tells us the love of God has been poured into our hearts. This is not something we generate from ourselves. It comes to us through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Since we have such an assurance, then, let us love God with the love he has given us. As John tells us more fully, God is love, and whoever dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. It is not enough to say love is from God. Which of us would dare to pronounce the words of Scripture, God is love? He alone could say it, who knew what it was to have God dwelling within him. God offers us a short route to the possession of himself. He cries out, love me and you will have me, for you would be unable to love me if you did not possess me already. My dear brothers and sons, fruit of the true faith And holy seed of heaven, all you who have been born again in Christ and whose life is from above, listen to me, or rather, listen to the Holy Spirit saying through me, sing to the Lord a new song. Look, you tell me, I am singing. Yes, indeed, you are singing. You are singing clearly. I can can hear you. But make sure that your life does not contradict your words. Sing with your voices, your hearts, your lips, and your lives. Sing to the Lord a new song. 
Now it is your unquestioned desire to sing of him whom you love. But you ask me how to sing his praises. You have heard the words, sing to the Lord a new song, and you wish to know what praises to sing. The answer is, his praise is in the assembly of the saints. It is in the singers themselves. If you desire to praise him, then live what you express. Live good lives, and you yourself will be his praise. That's a, a homily, ancient homily, comes from St. Augustine. Live good lives, and you yourselves will be his praise. It reminds me of uh, something from St. Athanasius who says, the glory of God is man fully alive. So this takes us back to the question, is life happening to you, or are you choosing every moment with, with a firm will to live in the moment, to figure out what your plot points are and not just let things happen to you and say, well, I'm, I don't have anything to report. You know, I'm just kind of going along. Uh, I, I had work and then I came home and then I made the kids do their homework and then uh, I saw them for 30 seconds before I sent them to clean their rooms and then we had dinner and then it was bedtime, right? Well, how does life come out of that? I mean, you're living, but how does life come out of that? We have to, to really be present in the song we're singing. We have to be present in the role we're playing. We have to look at not only how am I living my role in terms of if I'm the, the central character, but how, how good of a supporting character am I? Would, would I want to watch the movie of my life? And if not, right, if I'm really kind of experiencing the doldrums, what do I have to do? What do I need to do to start living a life that tells a story that I would want to watch, that I would want to see. You know, one of the big things to do in that is to not live alone. I mean, some of us, we have to live alone. We're, we're living alone because, you know, that's probably the most prudent thing to do. Uh, or it would, without some, some external activity, that's just where we are. But I'm not talking so much about residence. I'm talking about are you living your life in the presence of other people? Are you participating uh, in your life in the presence of other people? Or are you living on social media and putting your best face forward and everyone thinks that you're happy and, and you're frustrated and you're going through the motions and you're just living? That's, I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you to wake up in the morning and say, Oh, God. Come to my assistance. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. To listen every day for the little nudges of the Holy Spirit. And then to make some intentional choices about being present to others, about being present even to yourself, and see where your story will take you this week. Join me on social media. On Facebook, it's Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, it's at Outside the Walls. And tell me about your week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Catholic Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.